Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and finally call our mothers? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. What if do butter? <laughs> <laughs> what if nut butter? Yes. What if nut butter? What if almond butter was good? Yeah. Like it'd be yeah. The next thing. I think the answer is it'd basically be sunflower seed butter. Yeah. Is that real? It's real and it yeah. is better than peanut butter. Really? In my opinion. Really? It is some good That's shit. That's a hot take. It is a hot take. It's it's really good butter. Okay. <laughs> uh, some nut butters. Uh, that's one thing that's going on. Another thing that's going on is that we uh, we wrote some more pages on our screenplay. We wrote some more pages on our screenplay. <laughs> we did. We did it. Um, yeah. I, I would say that everyone kind of we, we had a we had a longer break yeah, between podcasts. We, had, we took a little bit of time in between, um, got back on track with everybody. Yeah, uh, I'd that's say, what it seems like. I'd say everyone kind of got over the hump. We yeah. a lot of last I, week was like sadness yeah. and despair. Yeah, and like, and, uh, I hit page fifty finally and was just like, oh god, thank you. This yeah. is wonderful. I can finally like, cruise a little bit because I just have felt like stuck in the forties for so long. I know. And I personally did not write a word for almost three weeks, and then Damn. I wrote ten pages today. Yep. Or nine pages today. This was definitely the longest stretch I've gone without writing that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wrote most of what I sent you guys today, mm-hmm. and uh, we we talked about this a little bit last week. But usually, I write most of what I write in the days after we meet, and it's sort of off of the excitement and the momentum of writing and. I didn't do that last time because I was busy, and it was hard getting the train moving. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I, I had to do a lot of journaling and just kind of like, sh- what, like just letting go of inertia kind of thing, where it's yeah. like gaining that momentum again, getting back in the rhythm of it, and convincing yourself it's productive time again. You know, because you start to you start to think it's not. Not that I struggled with that a little bit. It was like, am I being productive right now? It's like yes, Evan. It's okay. You have your you have permission to write. It's it's, like, it's always really hard for me to write when there's like a lot of dishes in the sink, you know, mm-hmm. literally or metaphorically. Yeah, it's yeah. like that just makes it a challenge. Yeah, totally. The I, cat is ripping up the carpet right now. By the way, I don't know if you can hear that. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, live from an orgy. Live from an orgy. Yeah. Um. Definitely journaling helps. Yeah. Uh, I think I I went through like four iterations of outlines for the stuff I wanted to write. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, speaking speaking of outlines, um, okay. do we do we want to you want to discuss first or let's discuss first? Yeah, let's discuss first. Yeah, this week's discussion question. Act break. <laughs> 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 Some act break into act two for us. It is. <laughs> we and break. we have crossed a threshold. <laughs> Actually, I think it's the inciting incident. We all have to refuse the call now, and then, right, right. And then yeah, we guys, I really don't want to talk about. Act I don't want to talk about act breaks. I, I, I know we talk, act breaks. But wait, wait. If we don't talk about act breaks, the president dies. <laughs> I guess we're doing it. I guess we have to. Now. I, we have no choice. Well, uh, uh, I don't realize who the president was. The president of the Time Warner Company. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure who that Neither is. Neither am but... I. Let's imagine a good person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for the purpose of the story. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah, so so I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about act breaks because it is 
the most discussed part of screenwriting theory. It mm. is the most reviled part of screenwriting theory by cool punk rock screenwriters like Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese. <laughs> Or uh, um, the guy who did Boondock Saints. Yeah, he hated that shit. That schmuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, but I think that it's a lot of sort of what act breaks mean are very different to different people. And there's so many, uh, there's so many like explanations for what they are. Like the Save the Cat version is a very, it's a pretty different take from like the Hero's Journey version. And I just sort of wanted to open it up to you guys and, and, Talk about, like, in your opinion, like, what, what do the act breaks actually mean story-wise? What is that? How, are, how do you use them? How are they helpful to you? I once had a screenwriting professor tell me that whether you like it or not, every story that is a story is three-act. Because every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, no matter what the story is. Uh, yeah. If it doesn't have those three things, then it's not really a story. Yeah, like if someone said, dude, I got bit by a dog. That's that's an anecdote. That's not a story. That's not a story. It's not a story. You, well, and if they expand, it's like I was walking down the street. There's your setup, yeah, back one. Yeah. Saw a dog. Okay, that's an inciting incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tried to run away from the dog. Yeah. Refusal of a call. Yeah. <laughs> the dog bit me. Wait, wait. In this case, is the that's dog the, the wise old mentor? <laughs> but, uh, and then I became. I, I wanted to learn the ways of the force and become a Jedi like my father. Yeah, yeah. And I, I the, after I being bitten by the dog, I decided to go out and tell the world about my dog story. <laughs> so that's the end of the dog story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how um, I try to think of it as just like it's important that a story have just the elements of progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, everything else, like I focus on it because it helps me to put everything in tiny little boxes when I'm beating something out or outlining it. Hey. But uh, after that, yeah. <laughs> after that point, it's kind of just like know the anchor that's at the middle of your story what's the midpoint yeah and then know uh where the big transitions happen and those to me are the act breaks even if there's not like a single defining moment or scene it, well let me take that back it, <laughs> it's it boils down to it being something every 30-ish minutes that keeps the viewer interested in watching it, it's mm -hmm. an exaggerated plot point mm -hmm. that makes you go, woo, yeah. and makes you want to continue watching instead of it just being a, a flat plane. Because yeah. you can, I feel like the, the two that can be molded to the most together in that beginning, middle, and end thing is beginning and middle. Like, they can never quite tell where the beginning ends and the middle begins, especially in life, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See, I, I kind of am, am of a different feeling. For me, I feel like the, the act one into act two break uh -huh. always feels really clear. Yeah. And the one that I feel more muddy about is act two and act three and, and the reason that is for me is the way that i think about that act break is before that happens the movie hasn't started yet mm -hmm. like when you're the way i think about act one is there's nothing has happened yet that means that you couldn't just say the end and have it make sense albeit be pretty unsatisfying but it's like luke is on the farm yeah. <laughs> and he has no intention to leave I picture Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. Yeah. Because for the first half hour of that movie, pretty much, he doesn't realize he's in Groundhog Day yet. And it's you break into Act 2 when he's like, wait, it's been the same song, it's the same people, it's the same thing. Right. You know? Well, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned Groundhog Day because to me, I feel like the act break in that is, I mean, so, so kind of, you know, we, we see him be a newscaster 
and be a dick. And then he notices that he's in the same day. And he's just sort of in this reactionary, like, state of panic. And to me, when Act 2 begins is when he's talking to that trucker and he's like, what would you do if you could never die? And the trucker's like, man, I'd party it up and do whatever. (laughs) And there's that moment where you see Bill Murray think, like, that's right. I can do whatever I want. And then suddenly it's a different movie. Then it's fun and games. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because, like... He, before that moment, even though he's in this crazy situation, he's in this crazy Groundhog Day thing, he hasn't really committed any choices to that. Like, as far as he knows, he's just sort of like, well, I'm, I'm in this now, and I... Like, he hasn't, he hasn't made any choices yet. And to me, that's... Like, intuitively, you're like, oh, Act 2 starts when he's in the Groundhog Day. But... Then you re- think of when does he really cross the threshold. Right. He... he yeah, exactly. Versus Act 2 into Act 3. I've never been good at as a writer, by the way. My, my screenplays tend to end at the end of Act 2, where that act break is just the end of the fucking movie. Well, congratulations, <laughs> you've written a 70s movie. <laughs> Back when Act 3s were for squares. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's... Go on. Because you were talking about Saving Private Ryan, which is something I've never seen, but I, yeah. apparently has a mushy act break. Well, it, it does for me. I mean, it, it, it's so... The question for me is, so, so I mean, we know that, like, you can kind of feel in a movie that there's sort of a, an end part that's different if it's a yeah. good movie. Like, okay, so I don't know exactly when Act 3 has begun in Star Wars, but obviously when they're in the Death Star, that's Act 2, and when they're trying to blow off the Death Star, that's Act 3. Like, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there we switch over, and it's, we're, we're kind of pursuing a different goal. And in Saving Private Ryan... My gut is Act 3 begins when they find Private Ryan. Because suddenly, I mean, that's been their job for the whole movie, and then suddenly there's a turn where it's like, well, wait, we find him, now what do we do? Right. Uh, and the sort of, okay, we, we got everything we wanted, now, and it's still not good enough, now we have to, now we have to sort of bring all these pieces together. I, I feel like that's the... The turn into act two and it and I, I think it can be tempting to just sort of keep banging away like the character wants something and they sort of just keep trying to get it and like off the top of my head other than rachel dying like is there really an act three in the dark knight like the, the dark knight is just all one act to yeah me. like it's just kind of a we're, we're making it we're laying down track as the train's going forward kind yeah of well and and chris nolan is uh he's a novel guy like his 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 study is not in screenplays it's in novels and he writes like novels where it's just sort of at, at the beginning of the movie a boulder starts rolling down a mountain and at the end of the movie it smashes a hotel <laughs> <laughs> like it's just sort of this continuous this happens then this happens and this you know uh, yeah Chain of events. Yeah, but I, I think that movies feel, to me, I, I feel like what's really valuable about that act three, if you can make it a definitive turn, yeah. is it sort of, just from a pacing perspective, I think that, you know, an hour and a half or an hour is just a long time to be committed to sort of basically the same set of balls being in the air. Yeah. And it's nice to give a little bit of sense of like okay we we like we're in a di- we're, we're trying something different now our goal has changed where it's way. like the, the break from act two to act three is like the balls have dropped 
let's play it as it lies kind of thing. It's like we've been juggling this thing and now we're living in the new world of like the fallout of it. Kind of right. Thing. Well, to me, it's like act two ends when like, so act two is like what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's the fight in the shark. It's chasing the Joker. It's trying to blow up the asteroid or whatever. And when you get br- to the dream world, trying to, yeah. When you get to act three is we've, we have, we've done, we've, we've gotten as far as we're going to get with that other thing. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that we have to, like, either either we achieved the goal, and surprise, surprise, we still didn't win. Yeah. Or, like, we don't, like, it, it turns out we were following the wrong goal all along, and now we have to regroup in some way, or, yeah. So, uh, Dan Harmon writes about uh, an eight-part story structure that, it, it kind of fits into the three-act thing, yeah. the way that we know it, but... He always um, says step five is find, step six is take. Mm-hmm. And step five, find, means you find the thing that you're looking for. Uh, and then it, that's also the meeting with the goddess, it's called. Right. Uh, and then you have to pay the price for it. Right. And the price might be... Um, your life. Your life, or it might be uh, your mentor's life, or it might be just the thing isn't what you expected it to be. Right. It's like the, the whiff of death moment in the, in the Save the Cat structure which is basically like there has to be something that the universe has been screaming that you've been ignoring yeah and and the the act break the meeting the atoning with the father is like you have to there what's the thing that you have to face yeah and and you cannot succeed until you've like squared off with this thing in mad max fury road great example Mm -hmm. they go they they find the place where the girls are and they realize they have to go back that's an ultimate Find the thing you're looking for, but it's not what you expected. Right? Yeah, yeah. So then you have to go and you know face greater odds. Then, like, you have to go instead of running away from the all the cars and the guitar guy and the fire and whatever, you have to run into them. <laughs> right. Know? Exactly. You you and I think it, it it's so interesting that we sort of instinctively put a hot tub scene at this part of the screenplay, where it's like for so and and that's I mean the the meeting with the goddess is is boiled down to its bones a hot tub scene where the characters have been. Going through something tough, and then they get a break from it for a minute. Like in Boogie Nights, the when he's like Dirk Diggler, and they're all sitting in that tiny hot tub. Uh, I don't remember that scene. Boogie Nights, because there's name, so many that, that is a hot tub scene. It yeah. is certainly not the meeting with the goddess. <laughs> point that but no, that, that's that's a act, I, I'd consider that it might be an act break because that's when like Dirk Diggler comes into being. And yeah, it's like that's when. But but the but this is actually this is important. Uh, the meeting with the goddess moment is a plot point, not an act break. Is it's it it, it, it hovers around the end of Act Two, uh, and it's Galadriel. Uh, it's okay. Our characters just got the shit beaten out of them. Uh-huh. They just had a definitive loss. Now the meeting with the goddess is when you meet somebody who is going to give you the strength that will get you to the end. Uh-huh. Uh, in A New Hope. It is Leia putting a blanket on Luke. <laughs> it's a pretty weak meeting with the goddess. But, uh, yeah. like, I mean, Galadriel, okay. I feel like, is, I was, is I was the... Oh, well, it's, it's, it's a confusing point. Like, the name is not intuitive and that's why I say it's important, because it's, it shows up in so many screenplays yeah. in, in one way or another. Just, like, Act 2 is a real ball breaker. I mean, that's what it's there for. It's the whole point yeah. of watching a movie. It's the guy getting rocks thrown at him while he's in the tree. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
and then like something there's some little it, it, there's sort of it, it's a it's a it's a natural pairing you 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 get the strength that you're going to need to finish the journey but you also have to face the demon you've been ignoring and you know it's 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 kind of a, a uh, it's a fun little yin yang which is why it's like goddess father yeah it, they, those two plot points kind of stick together in, in an intuitive way um and it's funny because there's some screenplays that go real ham with it like Lord of the Rings. I mean, that... It's a literal... It's literally a goddess. Yeah. And it's a woman, and it's right there, and she literally gives them toys. <laughs> she, she literally gives them actual tools that will get them through the rest of their journey. Yeah, and uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's the same thing. It's Santa. Yeah, it's Santa. Yeah. Santa comes in for Father Christmas. And he's like, here, have a sword. That seems like something Santa would give you. Yeah. Here's a, a vial of juice that makes you heal any wound or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then there's other things like 2001 A Space Odyssey where the meeting with the goddess is a 45 second recording of a white guy giving exposition. <laughs> but, but yet it's it's there and yet there it is. It's still like at the moment when every all hope is lost and, and the main character just had everything taken away from them, suddenly something appears and uh, gives them gives them the guidance they need. Um, In my script, it's uh, the main character finding out that he's out of beef jerky. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tried to I tried to be a little subversive with my script, uh, in that the meeting with the goddess is the character who was the villain earlier, like admitting that they were wrong. I I I was trying to think of like originally there's like an old woman in my script, and originally I was like sure she can be the goddess, but then I kind of went back on that. So like I think it's the story is about. Is your meeting with the goddess in the pages we read? It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I think that's a natural transition. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I made it unnatural by saying it's a natural transition. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, God, I just want to talk about it. okay. I want just want to talk about me and the goddess all day now, but for another time, for another time. So, uh, Silas, yes, sir. Let's talk a little bit about what went down in your pages. Let's do it. Um, so the first thing that I wrote down, I mean, actually the only thing that I actually wrote down mm-hmm. was uh, the old lady that uh, that Flora comes down and meets when she goes down into the village. Mm-hmm. I think should be the buxom babe from the beginning of Act Two. That's a great idea. <laughs> It's just like yes, my my uh, my wife died many years ago, and she was a butch butch lesbian, and I got these old droopy, <laughs> and I don't know what to do with them anymore. They okay. just hurt my back. That's funny. Uh, that's that's a that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> I, I originally wrote it as the old lady is the old lady that Flora created, who was like playing a card game, hmm. and then I was like, well, no, I wanted I wanted to be the time has passed so yeah. the old lady should still be an old lady. That's a much much better idea. That's cool. Yeah. My suggestion for that was. That it's just Victoria all over again because okay. it feels like the same character, mm-hmm. and it's just like just have her show up again. Okay, I mean, fuck it, why not? Mm-hmm. It's a dream dog, right? I think I would disagree with that. I think yeah. Victoria is like we can't we can't go back to Victoria. She's she's lost and will not return unless Flora does something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if she does come back, like it would be someone in Victoria's body that doesn't recognize Flora. That's true, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, so I guess. The, the usual way we've done this is, what were we trying to accomplish? How well do we think we did? Just had to get, had to get that note out. <laughs> I really know. I mean, listen, yeah. you, you can't wait. It's, life is short. You can't waste any time. <laughs> Bucks and babe notes. <laughs> um, this is probably the least previously thought out part of this whole story. Um, because this is getting us from... The last scary part, the chasm part, into the end, which is this 
cycle of making new floras and trying it again and again. Um, Kandu, I've come to bargain. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. Excuse me, yeah. Damamo. Um, uh, Marie Kondo, I've come to Marie. bargain. <laughs> <laughs> you can take my books, it's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, I, so my, my, yeah, my goal is to sort of get us from that part to this part and set up what the themes are of what the rest of the movie is going to be and kind of do the meeting with it, it, it's it kind of makes sense do, do the meeting with the goddess and, and the atonement with the father um as as we discussed um it feels pretty first drafty to me i feel like um i feel like either a lot of this is going to be polished quite significantly or i'm going to change previous stuff to support this more um I'm curious. I mean, this is this is like a whole new movie now. <laughs> it's like a new mythology and new yeah. stakes and it, that's, yeah. It, I, I found that really cool that they, they come back to this crumbling city and just another culture has evolved out of it. Just like the way life finds a way, you know. Um, I'm glad you like that. I I wanted I, when when I first started writing this, I made a list of things that could feel uh, just like ways that being trapped in a dream could. Uh, be scary uh-huh. and when one of the things that i thought of was just the idea that like so much time has passed like the more time that i can make it feel like has passed the the more scary and bad this will feel which is my goal so that, that was just the idea of like <laughs> they have like a culture <laughs> <laughs> it's, fucking, it's fucking cool i mean i i really liked that little that little bit where you come back and it's like a the, the survivors of the attack kind of thing had like yeah. found, found a new life and had found a way you know just it's so fucking weird that none of this is real <laughs> <laughs> well um, technically I mean, none of our screenplays are real oh, <laughs> how do you kill a vampire uh, um, alcohol it's, a, it's an old it's an old screenwriting joke how do you kill a vampire steak through the heart garlic holy water and it's like no you can kill them however you want because they're not real yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You're powerful story writers. Uh, yeah, what, what did what did uh, what felt first drafty to you guys? What felt good? Uh, was anything confusing? Uh, yeah, tell me, tell me what you thought. I liked Flora's having a little Orpheum pet. <laughs> uh, yeah, I pictured um, the the sheet ghost dog from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> that's what I was thinking in my head, but uh, just like more amorphous, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think he could actually play with that a little bit more, where it's not just a blob. Because you have things like the blob floats mm-hmm. as an action, or the blob seems to be listening, or whatever. Right. Uh, if if because uh, she has control over it, if she yeah. could make it make the facial expressions or whatever that she's thinking subconsciously, that mm-hmm. would I think be funny and interesting. Um, the thing that felt most first drafty to me was uh, you really tried to get ahead of your critics potential on... critics yeah. of like what what could the solution be. You know, oh, where yeah. she's listening for a while, like <laughs> maybe it's my dad. I just have to make my dad. <laughs> yeah. um, it was, it, it's yeah. Sorry. A, a major movie that came out recently that I will not name, uh, but that we've all seen, uh, has something like that where everyone has um, has criticisms of the 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 plot that they're putting together. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like, well, we can't do this for this re- we can't use this amazing power for this specific in this specific way just because that's how it works mm-hmm. and I think that that uh, or, okay an example that doesn't spoil a, a major franchise uh, Looper Looper has that scene where uh, 
uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is talking to his future self, Bruce Willis, and he's like, well, why can't you just do this? Or why can't you just do that? And Bruce Willis goes, look, if you think too much about it, it's going to stop making sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> just don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, I think that he, you, uh, you erred on the side of detail, I think, on, on some of those. Um, and if you, you don't have to be like Snide and Ryan Johnson about it, but <laughs> like, it's, it's a possibility. So that's an interesting point because my, so here's, here's what my intention was with that, that beat. Um, I wanted to convey that, I wanted to sort of, so Flora starts out this bitch as being like, I have no fucking idea what I'm supposed to do. And I mean, spoiler alert, the answer is, you just do something stupid and get rid of it and you just have to try a bunch of stuff. And so I, I wanted to have her be brainstorming and sort of the idea of like, you know, going, sort of seeing a character go from, I don't know what to do, I feel overwhelmed, to sort of just see her start actually thinking of different things to do. And she's being dismissive of them but but she's sort of using that as, a, as an excuse to actually come up with some ideas i don't know if you guys saw but when she actually confronts it she does the first, the first thing first thought, yeah. which was the hackiest dumbest <laughs> um so what what do you think would be a better less wink at the audience way to to have that transition? There, 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 there's got to be a way to to have both i feel like where because the way you've written it right now, it just sounds like you don't believe in your own ideas. You know, you're just like, well, this is fucking stupid. I hope you know, too. You know, it's just like, it, it didn't feel feel good when it was like, well, this is, you know, the hacky thing or whatever. Right, okay. Like, um, if if she, would it feel better if she wasn't talking about it in such a screenwritery way? Yeah. If it yeah. was, okay. I would, I, I would say. Especially one, the word hacky. Yeah. That, that word specifically stuck out to me. One thing, I don't think this is what you intended, mm -hmm. but the... Uh, one thing that I kind of got out of this that I felt like it was leading towards was mm. metafiction. Right. Where it's like, she tries something creative and it doesn't work, and she tries other stuff, and she's like, I, I, I just don't know how to end this. Mm -hmm. And that's like the, you know, uh, unwritten end. by Anne and Alec. It's like, right. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm writing, blah, 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 just writing the next thing, and here's the next verse, you know? Right. Where there's the threat, if I'm an audience member, and someone filmed your first draft, I would be like... Wait, isn't it gonna just be like cut to interior screenwriter's room? <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I would just you know be cautious of, of that. I don't think that's where it's going at all. But I, uh, you know. Well, and maybe maybe it would be better if instead of because so something which I don't think has ever actually been explicitly stated in the screenplay by a character, but that's sort of been in my head is Flora feels like she has like there's that line where the old woman says like. Well, on the other side of the blankness is the end. And so Flora's like, well, I have to think about what's going to end the story. But maybe I should just have her think about it in a much more physical, literal way. Like, instead of what's going to... Instead of her talking about it in, in, in like, story language, yeah. have her just talk about, like, what defeats a big blackness, a really bright light. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. I think, yeah, that in terms of first thought for Flora, I think it would be stuff like that, where right. she wouldn't necessarily think of, like, her dad or whatever. Right, right. The, the one thing that I think of when you're, like, her, wanted to express her brainstorming mm -hmm. is something I think you should steal from his, okay. which is when uh, Sammy's trying to figure out what, what she's doing and she's talking to her plants. 
Yeah. That, that it's just like he's talking to this Orpheum blob and it's just this blob. Right. Like, um, but I like the idea that it's something she can't conjure, you know? Right. Um, and it feels like a good response to, to what I talked about before, which is all the convenient magic of it, mm-hmm. where it's, there, there still remains that one thing that's just like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be Orpheum. Right. Well, um, it's, it's, you can make whatever you want, but you have to, you have to know what the right, you have to yeah, know what yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, make yeah, first. Yeah. So I like that there's that roadblock to it, where finally there's like that, oh, fuck. Okay. They're the one thing that'll solve everything I can't. So I just hit on something mentally. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you could keep probably most of what Flora says to herself, but spread it out generationally. Oh, I see, I see. So it's yeah. like she's having this conversation with herself, and she's like, I don't know, I'm just going to try the first thought, but I'll make this other version of myself, this Rose character. Right. Try the first thought, and then Rose will try the second thought. Right. And so on and so on. Gotcha. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you could see like as that's a that's a that's a neat idea. Um, that like as each progressive, you can you can see the way that they're thinking about it change. I actually really like name that them after different flowers. I, well, well I you get the ones going. Yeah, you, yeah, you know that's happening. <laughs> um, just just name one hydrangea. Mm-hmm. Chris, Chris I'm the 532nd Flora. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dandelion Four. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ran out of flowers. Yeah. Uh, oh. Trust me, there is no shortage of girls' names that are just the names of flowers. Okay. Your boy has done some Googling. It is, it is like 1,000 names. Oh, my goodness. Um, um, the other thing that I have a note on um, is that it makes sense now what, what Yvonne was doing. Because he's the one who killed a man at right. the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, he just wanted to watch a man die. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, because that, that, that's what's kind of revealed, right? Is that he conjured someone he knew so he could watch them die. Yeah, that kind of thing. Because he killing. hated this specific yeah, person. He wanted them to, wanted to, to kill him. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it was, right? It is, and, and that will occur in Act 1. <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll meet the person in, oh, in real cool. life, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. you'll, you'll learn his name. Okay, because yeah. then, then it'll make more sense it will. Um, going into it. But in this in this context of not having that first act, it's like, oh, it was kind of cool. Yeah. But like, oh, this is the revelation. And it was just like, oh, you just wanted to see him die. Right. Masochist or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's funny. Uh, did the did the Yvonne apology scene feel like it belonged in the movie and feel like it did it feel like a meeting with the goddess? The only thing that didn't work for me is that I don't think we saw his journey. Mm-hmm. That's actually true. now that I think about it, that might be for the best. Is it just that the if there's some reference to his journey which isn't in there currently, but right. uh, but we don't actually see it. Where it's like Flora leaves, she comes back, and Yvonne is like, "Hey, look." I, you haven't been here, but I've thought a lot since you've been gone, and I've grown right. a lot as a person, and my scars have healed over, and this is what I think. Right. You know, because right now it's just like, hey, uh, I could have said this to you 20 pages ago, yeah. but now I'm saying it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, I wonder if it, there might be a version where instead of sort of all of the cutbacks being Flora working on the garden, if we intersperse her, like, going pretty regularly to yeah. hang out with Margot and Yvonne, and, like, you know, the third time she goes, they have that conversation or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that could work. Um, okay. Uh, did you guys? Did you guys have any other thoughts? Got that. Um, I feel more now that I'm watching some type of massive series than, than a feature <laughs> film, and I'm okay with that. Okay, I, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm watching a new episode every time you send something through. I'm like, what's gonna happen? Okay. And, and it, where are they going to be now? It is, it is, yeah. What, 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 what giant, ridiculous what crazy biome? <laughs> what absolutely unfilmable biome? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that, yeah. that was about the only really thing I had. One, one quick thing is, um, I think Xavier's age is a ticking clock, right? 
because we know that he's really old and he's going to die uh, soon. But my question, and maybe you've already solved this, but my question is, does Flora's constant regenerations that she do, is she able to do those before Xavier dies and finish them, or does it have to be after? And if it's after, can she pull Xavier out when they wake up? Um, so, so the answer is Xavier's old man body is definitely going to die okay. before they get out. And that's going to be a, like, we sure don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> we did it before, and we sure don't now. Um, but when they wake up? When they wake up. Um, so I I said, like, five episodes ago or ten episodes ago or whatever it was, that, like, <laughs> as of this recording, I don't feel like it adds to the story to have any of the main characters die. I think I'm still holding to that, but since that's, like, the second-to-last scene, and that's honestly, like, the big question of the whole movie is, like, if they wake up, are they, like, are they going to have all their memories back? Hmm. Are they going to be, if you die in the game, do you die in real life? Yeah. So I, I, I am sort of allowing myself to decide that in, because it's not going to affect any other part of the story. It's, the like, story. it's the last scene of the, of the movie, like, and that's the big question are they still alive? And, and I mean, I know, I know Victoria's not going to be dead. I know she's going to okay. still be alive. I know I've been doing a lot of debating over, does Yvonne get his memories back? Okay. He wakes up and we'll see that. I'm That's on a tough it. one. It's a real, it's a real tough one. Is, does it, does it undo the journey that they've been on or is, is, do we just know he's a new man now because of all the stuff that he's been through? Like, does he, does he get his new memories back as sort of a gift for having changed? I don't know. I haven't decided yet. Uh, well, good luck. Thank uh, you. It's really hard. <laughs> I don't know what I would do in your situation. I, I will, I'll know when I get there. Well, cool. Good stuff, guys. Uh, good stuff, Peter. Yeah. Um, um, so I wrote all of this today. and it, I can tell. No, I'm <laughs> it, it, I, I, I feel like it's... I mean, I've done that before where I've written most of it in the last day or two. But I feel like this time it was just kind of like all first thought all the time. Because mm-hmm. I was just, you know... Like I said, I hadn't written in two and a half, three weeks or something. And uh, I just really wanted to get something on paper. And um, I think that that was my goal, was yeah. just, like, get something on paper. And I succeeded at that. But in terms of, like, how the scenes play out, um, I'm proud of what I changed from the outline. Because the outline had didn't have some stuff that I ended up putting into the, into the script. But uh, I don't know if it was executed as well as it could have been because I haven't looked at it. Since I wrote it three hours ago, <laughs> uh, so we'll see. <laughs> what What did you guys think? Um, so I, I I thought that these are some good pages. Um, there's there were a number of jokes that I liked, and and in particular, I feel like you've been very consistently funny with the symbiote banter. Like that's 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 pretty much always worked for me, and I, I think that these are some of the better moments. Like the um, especially like at the party when the symbiotes are like talking about the kale and yeah. you know is my kale juice disgusting and and then like th- that stuff all just worked well for me um the there were a few points which uh felt first drafty to me in the sense that you moved from one idea to another idea pretty quickly and i and i don't think that I, like i don't really feel like there's any bad ideas in here i think it's more setting some of them up with a little bit more finesse um i think that's stuff that you would have edited yourself anyway but in case you're curious. I'm very curious. So, uh, the... Let me read my writing. <laughs> um, so, the... 
A beat which I didn't remember from your outline that I really enjoyed is Greg realizing that he told Hector about that one of my friends doesn't have a symbiote. And what I there's a couple things I like about that. I like that when we actually physically see him tell Hector in the story, we haven't learned how scary symbiotes are yet. We haven't yeah. had the scene where Sammy goes to therapy and it's like, oh yeah, we, we murdered all those people. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason he's still alive is because he's sort of funny and slow. <laughs> um, so to the audience, I don't think in that scene when he says that to Hector, I don't think it's going to register as a big betrayal. And I don't think when... Sammy's talking to the therapist, I don't think we'll necessarily think like, oh shit, he told Hector, that funny character played by beloved Terry Crews. Uh, <laughs> no, Hector is uh, Michael Peña. Michael Peña, excuse me, yeah. Michael Peña. Um, <laughs> uh, and, but then when, when, like when I was reading it and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, Hector told me, yeah, he can't lie, none of us can lie, you know that. There's <laughs> yeah. no, no one ever doubts anyone else, he told me that, so now we know definitively that it's true. I was like, oh fuck that's that sucks yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think about that that's yeah. a that's a real humdinger is what that is so i thought of that idea about 30 seconds before i wrote it yeah it's it great. was not in the outline uh and i was worried about putting it in because i'm like this changes a lot of stuff yeah. it totally like it, changes. it totally changes a lot of stuff it's great keep it in thank you uh here's the consequence of that that needs to be resolved um greg taking her to the party yeah as it reads right now it feels like greg is just sort of willfully ignoring that really creepy thing that that yeah uh was uh, it aaron? aaron that aaron said to him um and it feels like he's he's sort of deliberately putting sammy in danger for selfish reasons hmm. um that is not a hard fix i don't think i think that all you have to do is like you can, you know, have either he makes up some lie that he tells to, like, like I, I don't, I don't think it's it's a patch. I think it's a, or like I don't think it's a bug. I think it's a feature. Like the the difficult predicament that uh, Greg is now in, where he, like, like you know, gives some sort of direct physical threat to Greg, where uh, he's like, if I don't bring Sammy, X is going to happen. Or you could have here's a version you could have greg say oh no she definitely does have a symbiote hector was confused or i lied to him because i was embarrassed okay and then they're like oh we don't believe you <laughs> yeah. if you think that you're lying prove it yeah, yeah and then he calls sammy and he's like so i did kind of fuck up we do need to prove that you have a symbiote <laughs> uh and then that not only is that not a hard fi fix that makes the party scene way higher stakes and more dramatic because now we're on our first date and there's all that stuff which is already in the screenplay and already works. And then also in addition to that, it's like, you know, the party scene from Inglorious Bastards where they're pretending to be Italians. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of going for the Inglorious Bastards thing already. Mm -hmm. My thinking was just um, Greg, like, he's, he's kind of caught between liking Sammy and not wanting to die. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of yeah. like, uh, he, he's just, as it's written out, he's just making it up as he goes along. He's right. like, I'll bring her and we'll figure something out. It'll be fine. Yeah. And it ends up being fine anyway because the symbiotes are all about to die off because of the alcohol. Right. Um, and so this is kind of a false, it's just ratcheting up the tension for the nice. sake of a couple scenes. Right. Um, where, where you can see where the story would go if it didn't take this turn with the apple pie moonshine. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think that that's a great idea, and I think that in order to make that, just really squeeze all the juice out of that that you can, 
all the Kaelsers. Com- commit <laughs> to that really hard. Like, yeah. make it seem like that's gonna be the movie. Yeah. Like, have the walls be closing in around them. Like, and yeah. it, like, uh, and I, I wanted to also mention the, the second thing that felt uh, good but sort of un, uh, un- developed. Developed exactly is the alcohol, which is going to be a really big important plot thing. And as it as it stands. They're at the party, and she's like, boy, I sure wish there was alcohol here. And he's like, well, good news. Do you remember from earlier in the movie? It's that. It's that yeah. stuff. Here it is. I brought it off screen. I think that uh, because that's going to be so important, rather than having it be just sort of a flippant, offhanded thing, you can, you can build it up. Like, like for, for example, here, I'll give it to you bad. He tells Sammy, you need to come to this party and pretend to be a symbiote. Sammy says, okay, yeah, no problem. I can do that. I can do anything. I'm powerful. I go to therapy. <laughs> I can have it all. And then they're like right about to go, and she's like, "I can't fucking do this. I can't. I can't fucking do this." Like, like, I. I'm, and he's like, "Okay, listen. I. I. Uh. Uh. What do I have? Do you want a plan? Do you want a Cheeto?" And she's like, "I don't fucking want a Cheeto." And he's like, "I have some moonshine." She's like, "Yeah, give me that shit." Like, <laughs> and she like, she like, like that somehow calms her down in a way where. He's not bringing the alcohol. Is like, ooh, kind of fun. He's bringing her. It's it's like a panicky like. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but this seems to help. Like, and and then it can be. I guess what it, what what the note is is that right now the alcohol feels like sort of an incidental passive thing that becomes an active thing, and I think it can be one of the falling dominoes. I think you can have it be part of the like one of the things that falls that ratchets the tension up higher and higher. Um, that all being said, the beats of the alcohol scene where they're that were kind of heisty where like he was pouring it in yeah. behind her back were great that works awesome <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really really yeah. fun I liked all the dialogue um, that felt genuinely tense uh, and funny which are the two flavors I think you want in these scenes and I think that if you do that sort of earlier groundwork they could be tenser and funnier so here's the I think the underlying question the one that I didn't really have an answer for mm-hmm. and I was struggling with when I was writing it um when Greg gets Sammy to come to this party with him, does he tell her the truth or not? I think, because right now he doesn't tell her the truth. Right. He doesn't, like, lie deliberately, but he's just like, come to this party, uh, and if you don't, they'll kill me. He doesn't say that. Yeah. But that's in the back of his head. Come to this party if, if, if you know, they'll kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Greg's motivation in the script as it's currently written is just like... Um, They'll they'll see that she's not a threat. They'll see that she's fine, and then they'll let her live like they've let me live, you right. know. Yeah. Uh, and he's just kind of deluding himself about that, but mm-hmm. that's just not the kind of character he is. So he doesn't tell her, and that leads to several consequences that we've just been discussing. Right. If he does tell her, that leads to other consequences, which is just like she might say no, and then there's a four page scene of him convincing her, right. you know. Well, um, here's the thing: is that you could combine what Silas was saying and have it be that she like panic drinks because he tells her they they want to kill her. Maybe he tells her at the party? Yeah, exactly. Having, having him tell her to, at the party, I think is, yeah. he's Greg is definitely the type that wants to sit, save it for the last second. It's like, I'm not going to tell you until I absolutely have to. <laughs> One thing you should know before before we go yeah. in, or no, before the doors close behind us, mm-hmm. uh, they might padlock them. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's a note that I would add to that, hmm. which is if Greg doesn't tell her before they go, because so so I mean so Greg is Greg is afraid that if he doesn't bring her they'll kill him. Yeah. There is also built into that something which I mean we as the audience understand quite explicitly which is if he brings her they will probably kill her. Yeah. 
it has to be clear that Greg does not believe that if he rings her. If, if he thinks that, if he correctly thinks that they might kill her, yeah. if they know that and she And then exists, he brings her, then he's a monster. Then he is a monster. And that, yeah. I, I think, is super important. Yeah. Um, there's a number, I mean, you, the thing that you just said, where he's like, they, they, won't, they won't kill her. Uh, they haven't killed me. Like, you could have him, this is a really good idea. I'm surprised no one's done it in a screenplay <laughs> before. You could have him say it to himself in a bathroom mirror while splashing water on his face. Yeah, hear that? Boy's a ching. He does have that scene where he talks to himself before he calls her, so it could just go there. It could go there. Um, or you could, I mean, and you could do the sort of like, he's talking himself into it, and then he, he quickly realizes he's, he's wrong, and that becomes a thing that he says in the party. It could be genuine uh, innocence. Like, he could, he could genuinely think, like, this is a this isn't a problem, and then once they're there and like all the eyes are on her, he could be like, um, I think I might have screwed it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, might have leaved it. Yeah, um, and then you could also have him tell her the truth and just have the meat of the scene be, I screwed up, I gave away your position. We have one shot to make this better. I think that's a bigger rewrite, and I think yeah. maybe having him not tell her is is more consistent with the trajectory of your script, hmm. uh, but. I do think that is extremely important. Yeah. That that it be very very clear to us that what he that he doesn't yeah. think she's in danger. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess I only really have three scenes here, and uh, oops, I got the wrong file. Let's see what I got here. Yeah, let me scroll through like a very old person. Uh, what what um, the the scene with Aaron? Do you think that that scene works just fine? Where. Uh, he, Aaron pulls him in and he's like you're not fired because you were 15 seconds late but we've noticed you've been taking care of yourself and here's what yeah it does that but works because it like, it's people are going to notice when when Greg starts doing something like this yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that Aaron is the one who's noticed is kind of like oh shit because we were talking about this where I, I really like all this menacing shit that's been mm -hmm. coming in that you've been like adding to as, as we're going along that kind of augments your outline that wasn't there before but it definitely seems like I, I like the, the dynamic you're going with there in that scene with Aaron, especially because he turns out to be the main villain later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I personally like the line where he's like, oh, I'm sorry, was I sounding menacing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, that's, that's, yeah. that's the best line in, in these new pages for sure. Uh, right. I, I, think, I think it's a great scene. Um, and the, the, the only part of it that felt a little jiggly and, and maybe first drafty was the turn where he says... Uh, you're 15 seconds late. Do you have an explanation? And Greg's like, sorry about being 15 seconds late. And he's like, do you remember when I said that you would be fired for being late? And Greg's like, are you fucking serious? Why would, why would I be fired? And he's like, you aren't. Was a little, it, it felt that's like. I didn't know what I was writing yet. I think it's pretty obvious now that I was just like, where's the scene going to go? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it felt a little first drafty, but the, the, from, Aaron saying we've noticed that you you've been making changes to your health down. I think everything works. Again, some of, some of the best dialogue in these new pages, uh, and and your surprise new conflict, which as we've already said, I'm a big fan of. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Now I just have to figure out how to make that surprise new conflict barrel forward instead of just disappear, <laughs> like it's like it's supposed to right now. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's when when we talk about Aaron's motivations and stuff later, it's just going to be like. Yeah, I was I was a dick before. I'm a dick now, and uh, I I hate having a I hated having a symbiote in my brain, and uh, somehow tie that into his whole world domination plot. The whole thing about 
Greg not fitting in. I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the fact that Aaron now knows Greg has a woman who he's sort of dating who doesn't have a symbiote. Uh, I mean, going forward, like, there could definitely be, like, sort of a, a revenge thing where he's like, I am so cool and so fit. And this guy, like, 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 the only, like, there could be sort of a thought in Aaron's head when he has the symbiote, which is like, the only reason this woman is interested in you is because you don't have a symbiote. Yeah. And if I didn't have a symbiote, I could prove that to you, <laughs> but I do, so I can't. And then, <laughs> like, then he's like, ha 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that could that could be a thing, and and I, I like the idea that the the impetus for the party scene is that is a solution to a problem that Greg creates in yeah. the scene with Aaron, where it's like, oh, we have a new conflict now, we have to solve it. The party is the solution, and then we all know from having read the, the outline, the party will create a whole other problem. Yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. Great pages, man. Good, good work. Thank you, thank you. Um, we got one more set of pages, boys. We got and one girls. more set of one pages. Set. Still life, Evan. Hi, how's it going? We got some. We got some spicy new pages. Spicy new pages. How do you feel about them? How? I, what was your intention? How do you feel like you did? Fuck, dude. I feel like I wrote a bunch of scene starters. Like I basically wrote prompts. Right. And that, that's kind of how it feels right now. At least, especially with the two scenes in the beginning of the movie. Um, the the two new college scenes. I really feel like aren't fleshed out at all right now where I just needed to put something down on the page especially Rebecca's little scene because um, that was brand new I realized that um, she didn't really interact with anyone other than Steve or Jordan in this little section of the movie so like she needs to interact with someone else um, when it comes to the new new stuff that goes that, that furthers the story I feel kind of the same way I, I went back through it and kind of tried to flesh it out as much as possible but I still feel like there's something missing um, yeah, I mean, I got shit done, so I, I reached my goal, but I don't feel like I was able to do it as well as I was hoping. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to focus more on the, the new, new pages, because okay. I, I feel like we've, we've talked about the beginning of the screenplay yeah, quite yeah. a bit. I, I think these are good changes, like the, the scene that you added that kind of humanizes Jordan a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's good stuff. I, I think that's sort of addressing stuff that we talked about. Uh -huh. But, uh, so, yeah, I think that's good work. <clears throat> Um, talking about the new new pages, uh, I think you're being a little hard on yourself. I think I think these are pretty good pages. Oh really? Yeah. I would have been shucks. The so I've I've read a, quite a bit of your writing over the years. I've, yeah. I've read a novel that you wrote, and this was actually the first time I got a, a Wings Wouldn't Help You flashback. Really? From reading this, and and the thing, the number one thing which I thought was really really good about Wings Wouldn't Help You, that. You, you just you reminded me of with these new pages is I think something that you're very good at is creating a sense of impending doom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and this, there's there's two screenplays that kind of popped into my head uh -huh. uh, when I was thinking about that and, and I don't think I've even mentioned this in the podcast before but the uh, the Stanley Kubrick movie The Killing, uh -huh. which I think is a really really cool format for a screenplay because the it's a 90 minute movie and the whole thing is just people planning a heist. And and there's no conflict. Everyone's doing their job. Everyone's planning the heist. We're all yeah. We're all doing good work out here. Except that we, as the audience, can see that these people aren't on the same page. Yeah. And even though the characters have no idea that there's conflict, 
we know that there's conflict because we're listening in on all their conversations. And the whole movie is you just kind of sitting there going, oh, this heist isn't going to go good. <laughs> and then the heist happens and it doesn't go good. And yeah. There's uh, the killing. But uh, <laughs> If I remember right, what happens to the money is amazing, right? Oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's it fucking rolls. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's very, it's great. It's uh, one of those movies. Uh, but I started thinking about, like, so this, this whole movie is, is about sort of a couple friends' relationships over the course of a long time. Uh-huh. And the scene that really sort of sparked my interest was when Steve, uh, excuse me, was when Lena and Cosmo were talking with each other. Uh-huh. And I'm like, fuck, Cosmo's an alcoholic too? And it's come <laughs> up earlier in the screenplay, but that, like, you're a for real alcoholic and, and how stonewally he gets where he's like, Say it. Say I have a problem. <laughs> you have a problem. How dare you say I have a Cosmo was the cool, fun guy. Where did this come from? And then it's like, oh no, it's been bubbling under the surface. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And and when I was reading that scene, the thought I had was like, mm, like, this is one of those scenes where if the other characters could see this scene happening, they would probably make different choices. But they can't, like, Rebecca can't see this. Right. And because she can't see this, she is about to get in really deep with this relationship which is definitely not gonna go good yeah and that sort of sense of like impending doom that yeah. the sort of the killing thing of they don't know but we know i thought was very good yeah and, and i think that that could be a really interesting angle for this story of like all these little camps that are not on the same page and we have a god's eye view but they don't yeah um in and i want to talk about the lena and rebecca scene but but it's sort of a natural answer to the Cosmo and Lena scene. Uh-huh. When Steve and Cosmo unpack yeah. the, 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 the Lena-Cosmo scene, um, that sort of felt like it diffuses some of that juice to me. Yeah. And there's some stuff that I really liked in here. In particular, I really like the feeling I get that Steve and Cosmo are not talking about the same thing, where Steve's like, oh, I know why you've done all this, because you want to be a father. And it's like, I think it is Steve who would like to be a father. <laughs> um, I thought that was really cool. I, yeah. I, I love scenes where two characters are talking and they think they're talking about the same thing, but we can tell that they're, they're not. Um, a great example of that is in Fargo when it's William H. Macy and his lawyer and his wife's dad talking about what they're going to do with the terrorists, and all three characters are saying different things, and none of them, no, one's, knows what no one's on the same page, and it's great. Um, <laughs> That, I think, is, is a cool thing that you have going on here. I think okay. that works. But... You. Two things. Number one, uh, Steve and, and... This is positive movement towards Cosmo's redemption and recovery, right. which, if the tone that we're going for is this sort of sense of bubbling... Right. Pod, impending doom, if Cosmo's like, yeah, maybe I should get some help two scenes later, then it's like, no! <laughs> things gotta okay. get worse yeah, before yeah, they can yeah, get yeah, better yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, yeah. the, other, the other thing which I think is a potential issue is we've had a lot of scenes back to back which are two or more characters sit down and they talk with each other Right. we just had a little plot wriggle in which is this investor coming in and, and being interested and yeah. they're pitching and then there's the sense of like maybe that went bad and I think that this scene with Stephen Cosmo, so we so we know that Cos- this is on Cosmo's yeah. mind. He and Lana just had a big fight. This is the first fight we've seen him have. And I think that this scene is a really good opportunity for 
Cosmo to sort of do to sort of to do something uh-huh. rather than talk about something and to bring Steve in because right now Steve isn't a part of this company at all. He's the only main character who has nothing to do with this company. Right. It's all Jordan, right? Well, yeah, that's true. Jordan. Yeah. I, I, I Man, since he's the Jordan. since he's the villain, I've been kind of thinking of him as not yeah, a main character. Yeah. And since we've we've only ever seen him interact in in the current timeline with Rebecca. Yeah. Um. But uh, you're right. If Cosmo, just let, let me give it to you, bad. Not the name of the podcast. Don't get that idea. <laughs> um, Despite my efforts. <laughs> uh, uh, what if, but bad? Uh, <laughs> no. Um. If if a version a bad version would be, uh, Cosmo has this conversation with Lena and she's like, I think you scared off that investor, and he's like, I don't, I think I'm fine. <laughs> and then Cosmo goes to Steve and he's like, Hey, can you do something for me? I am really confident, super positive that this investor <laughs> is very much on board. Uh, but could you do? thing to help like, like <laughs> and it's whatever you can yeah, 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 yeah. have, have yeah. you put on the table the whole uh you know choice that steve has between going for this espn thing or going for cosmo yeah this is where it could happen right where it could be like, uh, okay we okay so we we can't pay you right now but as soon as the money comes in from this investor mm-hmm. we're gonna be making buku bucks so please come work for me i can't pay you right now but when i can it's yeah. gonna be dope and and now that we have this seed of like ooh, maybe cosmo isn't the best place for characters to become the best version of themselves yeah uh which is what i mean that's how he's pitching himself he's like i'm great i give good advice i have a burgeoning company which you should be a part of and rebecca is like yes i will be a part of that company this is where i will become the best version of myself and then we have this we get this little sneak peek scene where it's like you're sick and he's like I, i'm not sick <laughs> no one has ever been sick and then we sort of get that like oh, oh this yeah. isn't gonna go good and then if steve like if Cosmo called up Steve and he's like, I need a beer. Come get a drink with me. And they get a drink and he's like, man, running a small business. There's so many crazy things that happen that you just never think you'd have to deal with. I'm telling you, it's, it's tough being married and running a small business together. And Steve's like, yes, women. <laughs> and Cosmo's like, you know what you could do? Like, and, and we have this moment where we see Cosmo make a decision where he's like, Steve likes that I drink. <laughs> Steve is enjoying this beer with me. Steve thinks this is a good idea, and he's like, I need you to sneak into the lab. <laughs> and, Steve, and, enable me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see, okay. Yeah. And, and So that's, that's I think, uh, a good opportunity for this scene, and, and I feel like the, the, the purpose that it's serving right now is bringing Steve deeper down the rabbit hole, and I think that making that a, an action, go uh, having Cosmo give Steve a quest, Yeah. I think is, is maybe uh, this is a good opportunity to do that. And I think I think the, the screenplay kind of needs a quest uh, after a number of very nice chatty scenes, but I think it's time for a, a walkie scene or a writey scene. <laughs> well, or yeah, a they're, they're, they're all going miniature golfing next. Right, uh, Jordan, yeah. Rebecca, and Steve. That's kind of the next big thing. Nice. That's, that was like the stopping point. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the Lena Rebecca scene, but. Do you have thoughts on uh, Steve Cosmo? Uh, he basically said most of it, and then I interjected where I had additions. But overall, I would agree. Where it's like um, these these scenes, 
I'm getting a much better sense of Cosmo as kind of like a wheeler and dealer. Yeah. You know, where everyone likes him the first 20 times they meet him. Yeah. And it isn't until you really get to know him that it's like, oh, this guy has some deeper down problems that he's not addressing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that it, the, the previous scenes do that really well. And then the last scene, I can see what you mean where it's kind of a scene starter where you're writing into it. Yeah. And it's just not quite there yet in terms of like, um, I, I just want to see these characters have to make tough choices. Right. You know, because like Rebecca... Her choices are always like, take the great internship or job, or the internship or job that looks great, or don't. <laughs> Break up with Jordan, the abusive alcoholic, or don't. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then uh, it seems kind of like obvious with, with the right choices. Um, and that's okay. It's, it's okay to be obvious with the right choices, but yeah. there needs to be um, like reasons why the character isn't making that choice. Right. Um, yeah, like... Uh, <laughs> for some reason I'm just thinking of I replayed this game Undertale recently where uh, there, there's a point in the game where you have to choose a beverage uh, for someone to serve you and it's it, it has jokey descriptions for each of them like coffee the coffee looks pretty burned you don't know if it's a good idea to drink it juice the juice looks like it has had a lot of pulp in it or whatever uh, and then one of them just says tea Obviously the correct choice. <laughs> if you choose anything other than tea, it just plays like a jokey little dialogue box in animation. And then if you choose tea, then the scene progresses. Oh, uh, so I think that there, there needs... If you're going to have tea, yeah. have reasons for someone to want to pick the other thing. Okay. Right. But if you're going to have tea and coffee are equally good, yeah. you know, yeah. make, make it uh, some, something that they have to face down. Okay. Um, so the, the Lena-Rebecca scene, Lena yeah. or Lena, I ask this every time, Either one. Okay, great. The Lindor and Rebecca. Um, uh, I think this is a pretty good scene. Um, I think that uh, Lena just had a fight with Cosmo, and Lena's purpose in the story is to become friends with Rebecca. Yeah. And here is a scene where they talk about their feelings, having gone through a tough thing. I think this this scene is kind of doing what it needs to be doing. The thing that I would say is, to me... So at this point in the story, Lena is Rebecca's boss. Mm. And that's kind of what their relationship is. She's a cool boss. She's yeah. got a pink mohawk or whatever. She works at a beer factory. Mm-hmm. We go out and get drinks to do our job interviews because we're a cool company, man. But she's still Rebecca's boss. And, and they're, haven't, they're not actually friends yet. And there's nothing been in, in the story that I've seen so far that said Lena and Rebecca are more than a boss and an employee albeit fun but but that's still their relationship this scene to me what 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 i feel like is interesting about this scene is this is when they cross that threshold this is when they start becoming more than employer and employee and we as the audience and you as the screenwriter can decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing um i feel like the scene needs to start sooner well that was what i was going to say is is there's the way that the scene plays out right now is it's Lena and Rebecca playing tennis with my husband's like this, my husband's like this. Yeah. They act in the same way. Both of our husbands are have problems with alcohol. This is something Rebecca we have in common. Continue. So what? Rebecca and Jordan not married. You, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Fiance. Uh, uh, and I think that the scene should either be the moment when. Lena realizes I can confide in Rebecca. Yeah. And it could be sort of leading up to, to what happens here as a yeah, where yeah. it's like Rebecca says something which which reveals like I'm a person who could be understanding. Or <laughs> Rebecca catches yeah. Lena crying and she's like, 
can I get you anything? And, you know, some, something that sort of gives Lena the idea, oh, maybe I can talk to Rebecca. Or if you want to go this direction, we learn that, like, the real reason Lena hired Rebecca is because she's, she, like, wants an adult female friend. Yeah. And, like, is buying one instead of going out into <laughs> yeah. nature and finding one. And that could be an interesting, potentially toxic relationship that yeah. could be setting up later. But my, but my point is, like, either the scene is the moment when they cross that threshold, or the scene is just Lena talking about Cosmo. Yeah. And the scene is the discovery that they have that in common. I think that those are sort of your two options. Right. Well, I know. Yeah. If this one was a tough one for me to start, because you're right, they, they still have that uh, employer-employee kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's no real lead-in to them being anything any different. Right. Um, so uh, I was really worried about the having them talk about men, you know, because there's that, like, women talking about men too much in movies and mm-hmm. shit. And so I, I was really timid writing the scene, and I was expecting it to get shit all over. So just the fact that you were like, oh, it's decent, it's, it's good. Um, but I, I think that I, it, it needs some it needs a first act. It needs some legs to stand on or something like that, where you right. see that change occur on screen instead of it just being, like, magically happened. Right. Yeah. Well, and, I, and I think that change is, is what is working about this. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's sort of the, the nugget in there that... <laughs> I think I think that's the sticky note, <laughs> um, and that's what yeah I, th- I think that's that's that is why this scene belongs in this yeah. story. Okay, yeah. cool. I think the uh, I, I agree with what Silence is saying, um, but, but <laughs> if I if, if, if you had a really if there's one super easy fix to this scene, it's just give us like uh, what happens a minute before they get to this point. Right. Because I don't know how Lena... Kn- I'm going to say Lena, just to be contrarian. <laughs> uh, and also because it's my uh, family member's name. Um, but uh, I think... Th- I don't know how Lena knows Jordan. Uh-huh. Does she know Jordan before this? No. Or d- is just Rebecca brings him up? Just Rebecca brings him up. Okay. Uh, if Rebecca brings him up, have, have her actually bring him up. Ah, like, uh, okay. Because I was, you I started was, it after I was that. worried about being too on the nose with everything, too. No, I don't worry about that for I know, your I'm early just, drafts. Yeah. But, but, but I'm worried about showing it to you guys and shit. Take, no. take it from me. <laughs> First drafts are a big, great place to be super obvious and on the nose. Yeah. That's uh, funny, uh, yeah. That's okay. the Silas method. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, like, if you could have just a, a scene of, uh, the way I would do it, giving it to you bad, yeah. or what if you do this but it's good, uh, would be like, uh, Rebecca comes in and she sees Lena is, like, covering her tears or whatever. And yeah. she's like, oh my god, what's wrong? Elena doesn't tell her right away, and then eventually is, uh, uh, Rebecca opens up to her, like, yeah. you know, I if it's something to do with Cosmo, my fiancé has some problems too, and, you know, we can sh- maybe relate on that. Yeah. And then uh, Lena, I don't think, would tell her, like, yeah, your, your boss who co-owns this company with me is a drunk. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's too soon to say that. Yeah. But yeah. she could say something like, oh, it's just want to get into specifics but i think that we might have something in common here we might have a common ground yeah and then the scene kind of proceeds from there the way that you already yeah, had yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. is uh is your intention going forward that lena is a good person for rebecca to have in her life or not uh yes okay so yeah no don't tell her about the drunk husband thing <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. cool yeah cool. Good, good work man good work guys yeah um so I just pulled out my, my old electronic calendar. 
Uh, and by my reckoning, we have like seven more meetings. Because today's the 12th. We got the 19th, the 26th, the 2nd, Fuck. the 9th, the 16th, the 23rd. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, seven more. So we're getting down to small enough numbers that I think it's it's worth asking, like, how do you guys want to spend your remaining seven sessions of season one of What If But Butter? <laughs> uh, I just really want to finish. I haven't yeah. finished anything yeah. this long in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's seven more meetings, then uh, I think that gives me personally enough time to... I have about 50 pages now. If I write 10 pages a week... I'll have 110, which is about what I'm going for, maybe a little shorter. Right. And then I can spend the last week on a polish. Right. Right. Um, but based on evidence of what the last couple of weeks were like, there's a decent chance that it might not go down that way. It might right. be all seven weeks or what I need to finish the, the screenplay. Um, so that's my thinking, uh, to just have a document that is 100 pages at least, yeah. even if it doesn't really make logical sense at the end of these, these few weeks. Right, and I, I think that's a good point, that that the, the, the way I see it is the purpose of these 16 weeks is not to end up with polish. Hmm. The purpose is to end up with... The turd. A, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, we've been keeping running notes week by week yeah. of the ways that the stuff that we're writing can be improved. That's a really valuable document, which we don't really need to implement until right. July 4th. Hmm. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We've got seven weeks, and we'll, I just want to finish this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I just want to make it stand up and dance. So I'm shoot it at its feet. <laughs> Marty was flying back to the future three. You don't need to shoot it at its feet, because bands will make them dance. I'm not <laughs> aware, but you just need some bands. Bands make them dance. Yeah, very good. Um, That's a rap song. Yes, I like rap. Um, <laughs> he said convincingly. <laughs> I love hip hop. Um, no, the uh, so I I'm sort of a, a, a predicament, which is we have seven weeks left. I need to write Act Three, and then I need to write Act One, but I also need to outline Act One. I have done zero outlining on Act One Damn. so far. Golly, I have no idea what happens in in that part of the movie. You've also written 90 pages. I've written 85 pages. 85. Don't flatter me. <laughs> um, You've already written a goddamn screenplay. So, the, what I'm, the thing which I'm most worried about from now until July 4th is the outlining of Act 1. Because that, who knows how long that will take. <laughs> uh, and it's, before all my outlining has been like, what feels right, man? Like, and and this is the part of the screenplay where it's like, nope, here is a list of things that you have to establish. And as it's a real list, it's in my phone. As, as of this recording, it's like 30 things long. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, there's your 30 scenes for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that I, I want to take, I'm going to very ambitiously say two more weeks to be at the end of the movie. And then another two weeks of outlining for Act One, and then three weeks of actually writing Act One. That's that's sort of what I'm I'm laying out for myself, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. It, that any of those things could take longer or shorter than that. So we'll we'll 
don't have to play by ear. For me, I have the entire second half of my screenplay right. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm a little worried because I got pretty granular in my outline for the second half, which I thought was going to help me. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, it'll help me in some places, it'll hinder me in others, because that means I have to go back and change stuff that I forgot to set up. Uh, like, yeah. I realized, as I was finishing up my pages for today, oh, you know what? The joggers that he sees, that Greg sees on page one, uh, they need to be a rule of threes thing, where we see them... Once at the beginning, we see them once in the middle to remember that they're there, and then again towards the end, so that we see how they've changed. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to put them in the scene where Greg is waiting outside for uh, for Sammy to come up in her dress or whatever, and then I just didn't have time to do it. <laughs> and that's going to keep happening. <laughs> like, there's going to be little things like that all the time. Sure, but that's I mean that's draft two stuff. Yeah. Like that's that's an e- that's a real easy polish in draft okay. two and. I like this. This was advice that a weirdly a gaffer gave me, but it applies to I think to a lot of things in life, which is a uh, a flawed movie, a flawed finished movie is always better than a perfect incomplete one. Hmm. And I mean, he was talking about it in terms of lighting, and he meant like it's 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 okay to do a little shitty lighting if it means that you get to finish the movie. Yeah. And I think that that philosophy also applies in this context of like get like more important to like get a first draft quick that you can improve on quickly rather than spend a really really long time making it perfect exactly yeah building the fence instead of painting each picket right we talked about that we did there's I saw a really interesting thread recently about this person said that there's like two types of screenwriters and they were talking about Game of Thrones. I'm sure you can figure out what their angle was, but they were talking about planners versus pantsers. And the idea was that there's, there's planners who have everything figured out in advance and they are big picture people and they, they want to move towards that trajectory and uh, make the scenes work for that structure. And then there's pantsers who just want to make each scene feel really emotionally sound and feel like there's a, a strong emotional logic going through it and pantsers tend to deliver much more emotionally rich three-dimensional characters and have a harder time delivering satisfying conclusions and the reverse is is true for for planners and they're saying like a lot of successful one way to become a successful writer is to sort of figure out some kind of balance between those two things like where do I plan? Where do I pants? And it's flying by the seat of your pants. Like, exactly. Sort of exactly. Yeah, yeah. These pants as a verb is like God, someone takes off your pants. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. Someone just like <laughs> type a joke. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, flying, flying by the seat of your pants. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting thing to think about because my impulse is always well just plan everything like over. Just just figure it all out in advance, and and the idea of planning some chaos into the machine is is uh, sort of counterintuitive, but yeah. I think part of it. Okay, well I think we've talked about our goals overall, so mm-hmm. I think rather than focus just on goals for next week, uh, I think it might just be a good time to wrap it up. What do you guys? Right. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Au revoir. I'm hot. I'm gonna go sit outside. Mm-hmm.